0: Hi, this is Chris Foreman from Madness, and you're listening to the Stateside Madness podcast.
1: Hi there, folks, have I'd like your to
2: Hello, and welcome to the Stateside Madness podcast, the one and only podcast of the official Madness American fan service. I'm Laurie, along with my co-host Polly, Here to bring you news, reviews, and deep dives into the nutty sound of the British pop band, Madness. Hello and welcome to Stateside Madness. I'm Laurie.
3: And I'm Polly.
2: And Polly, welcome back you just came back from merry old (laughs) england
3: in fact uh i did come back yes and it was mary i will attest to that um but it was fun trip out there to house of fun and uh always good to be home though so
2: While you were out there, you recorded some great, great interviews with people. I can't wait to play for our listeners everything that you recorded while you were at the House of Fun Weekender. But let's explain a little bit to our listeners who might not know what this uh, Weekender is. Could you talk a little bit about what it is?
3: Sure, I can. So uh, as folks may know, um, spending time uh, by the ocean is uh, more than a vacation or lifestyle choice in England, it's almost an obligation. So a lot of seaside towns have some pretty big resorts and uh, Butlins is one of them, uh, sort of um, designed for the working class, middle class folks in the UK. You take your family there in the summer for an affordable vacation. Now in the less than warm months, they need something to do with this big facility and so what they do are uh, weekenders or these sort of short, small festivals that will take place uh, between a Friday, Saturday, and Sunday. And uh, Madness has been doing one of those for 10 years, since 2011. And uh, it's called House of Fun Weekender. And that's what I went to do. And it's, uh, you know, it's centric centered around madness uh but it um you know they bring along an all sorts of uh other folks you know they bring uh, it's heavy on dj sets uh, there's a lot of uh, live bands performing and you know, you know it doesn't offer a great deal in the way of variety because all of these bands have some tens and gentle connection with madness kind of probably um if even if it's just in um genre or i don't know aesthetic maybe um but yeah it's fantastic fantastic weekend chock full of fun Um, and it's a shame this may have been the last one as far as we know
2: i understand that mike Parson wasn't there this year
3: mike uh unfortunately came down with COVID, and he was replaced by seamus seamus who we've you know, know uh has a deep connection with Madness, appeared on um, that Not Mad album, uh with the Tubbs and Sky Orchestra, and gotta say, um, it appeared pretty well seamless. Uh, he did a fantastic job and in very, very short notice. So thanks to Seamus for stepping in and pinch hitting.
2: And as I understand too, because of COVID, the band was maybe not as accessible to the fans as they had been in the past?
3: Yeah, so, uh, which was a bit of a disappointment to me, but um, the band, uh, as part of their effort to stay on the road, to stay performing, uh, to keep their crew and all the people in that sphere employed, um, they were operating inside of a bubble. Yeah, they uh, pretty much came on stage, exited the stage, and then um, not to be seen or heard from until the next, you know, the next night. And I do believe it was that way with most of the performers, uh, uh, that there was a bit of a wall. Uh, But, you know, these are the times we live in, and I'm happy to have them make that choice uh, if what it means is more people will get to see them perform, more people will get to enjoy that experience. So. Oh, for sure. It was a necessity.
2: Well, so I remember when we had uh, our friend, Diana on a previous episode, Diane was the, the friend who had met her husband at a house of fun weekender, but she mentioned that she got to sit on Lee's lap. You didn't get to sit on Lee's lap then I take it.
3: No, but I'm not giving up the dream. Uh, it could happen on the American tour.
2: So, what kind of songs did they play? I mean, fill us in. What? Uh, what, what was anything unexpected?
3: Uh, unexpected, not so much. I mean, you know, y- y- yes and yes and no. Uh, in getting to House of Fun um, and talking with so many people uh, prior to it, uh, I was pretty aware that the the way this goes down is on the Friday opening evening, madness tries to do a set that doesn't revolve necessarily around all the greatest hits. They try to do a little bit of the more obscure singles, uh, sometimes uh, not singles, sometimes covers. Um, And yeah, as as a bit of a gift to the hardcore fans, uh, they tried to do something that's a little bit different. And that is in fact what happened on Friday night. They did play a little bit of the uh, more rare stuff. So, you know, uh, they brought out Uncle Sam, Shame and Scandal, uh, Riding on My Bike, Not Driving in My Car, um, Dust Devil, uh, a whole host of whole uh, songs that you wouldn't hear normally in the set. Uh, and that was fantastic. I was particularly taken, I think, with um, a couple of Motown covers. They had done Tears of a Clown. And um, they had also done uh, Shop Around, which I thought was really, really... Uh, nice combo. Yeah, so, uh, yeah, a bit different set. Uh, very pleasurable for somebody who's familiar with the whole Madness catalog. There's a lot there. Um, yeah, a lot there to take in.
2: And I know the Silencers were playing too. Was Lee playing with the Silencers as well?
3: Uh, yes, he did. Uh, at least, um, I only, the Silencers played twice. So I only managed to catch uh, one of them. Uh, and they're a fantastic fantastic band. Uh, Super tight uh, for such a large, large ensemble. I do believe they have in the neighborhood, I think, uh, 10 guys on stage. They had a few more. I think they were borrowing Madness's um, horn section uh, for that gig. And yeah, they did play with Lee. And uh, they're, you know, they're heavy on, uh, you know, covers of uh, ska-centric, you know, uh, material. Uh, and I thought it was fantastic, a great, great show. And of course, um, their connection with Lee is that their their lead singer is uh, Daily Lee's son.
2: Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah, yeah. How did I not know that? I don't know. It's your fault. It is. Yes. Oh, hey, I saw a picture of you. I saw a picture of you. You were wearing purple.
3: Yes. Uh, yeah, that I was. So uh, the second uh, night of um, House of Fun, they call their fancy dress night. Uh, um, I thought it would have to be formal wear. Um, so I wore what I would normally. I was dressed as Purple Rain Air Prince. Thankfully, it wasn't, you know, it wasn't just formal wear. It was supposed to be uh, being dressed up uh, the equivalent of like a Halloween costume. So I was covered either way.
2: Right. For our listeners, what the Brits call fancy dress is to us a costume party. Uh, Our idea of fancy dress is very different than theirs. And there was a theme for this costume party. What was the theme this year?
3: Uh, The theme was, uh, when I grow up, I want to be...
2: And you wanted to be Prince.
3: Yeah, ever since I saw Apollonia's boobs in Purple Rain, I wanted to be Prince.
2: Well, the costume looked freaking fantastic. I was impressed that you could pull it off. That was great.
3: Yeah, it was as though Prince had a uh, like a, a fat Elvis face. Um, it was really.
2: Is there, is there anything else about the, the Weekender that you want to share, or should we talk about what we're going to do in two weeks?
3: Uh, No, there's definitely a couple of things, because I would be remiss in not thanking a few people. Um, I'll just kind of go down a little bit through my experience, kind of one by one. Uh, Not the entirety of it. That might take a little bit of time, but uh, I did manage to make it to Camden Town. Um, There uh, is a video of some of that, or two videos, I think, up online. So rather than get into that, just go look on our YouTube channel. Uh, but I was lucky enough to go to the Dublin castle and I was approached by a crazy Scotsman who works there. Uh, He had figured out kind of um, after I talked to him for a little bit that I was uh, connected in the the madness fandom and uh, he realized I was going to House of Fun. Now this guy lays into me about wanting me to strong arm Lee for money or beer because Lee's son Kai had been in Dublin Castle recently and Kai's dog humped his arm and I uh and, and Lee uh, and this guy thought that that translated into he would needed some sort of sense from Lee I couldn't figure it out because I thought leg humping was a thing for dogs not arm humping but I then I remembered I looked on Kai's um Facebook profile and he's got a French bulldog so maybe it was the bulldog was on the bar and the humped this guy's arm. But anyways, this guy was quite adamant that I get something out of Lee. Um, so there's that. That was before even getting to House of Fun. Um, you know, so in uh, showing up for House of Fun on that Thursday. Great group of folks uh, getting together at the Duke of Wellington and the hairy dog in Minehead. Um, And it was lovely to show up and not know anybody, but be embraced by people in the Madness fan community. So thank you for that. Um, You know, I was lucky enough to catch up with Mr. Happy, did a great DJ set on that first day, uh, and uh, Rhoda Dakao was there as well. So that was fantastic to be able to see her. Uh, That started uh, kind of like the beginning of handing out stateside madness badges, which Lori were nice enough to make and people absolutely loved and people were very, very keen on getting the elusive stateside madness badge and we gave out dozens and dozens and dozens. Um, So thank you for everybody for your interest that was fantastic. Um, And I would be remiss in not mentioning a group of fans um, that operate in the the sphere, I've mentioned operating in the sphere uh, quite a few times, but um, there's a a group of fans loosely associated with the MIS crew uh, that were very, very uh, gracious in sort of uh, taking me under their wing and showing me a bunch of things. So that would be Bone and Casa. They're actually expats. They live here in Miami. Uh, they were fantastic and uh, very, very accommodating to me. And also Ian, Ian from Seven Ragged Men, uh, we've had a fantastic time. And um, uh, it was just great to get to meet all of those folks. And, and many more, too, too, too many to name. So please don't let anybody be offended that I didn't mention you. And I've got to mention egg and butter rock. So as it turns out, egg and butter rock is not a thing, but if you hear a Scots person, not Scotsman necessarily, but pronouncing Edinburgh rock, you just might not know what they're saying. So I said yes to egg and butter rock. They thought that was great fun that I couldn't understand the Scottish accent. Uh, and uh, I heard about it the rest of the weekend. But uh, if you ever get a chance, Laurie, to try Egg and Butter Rock, uh, don't. It's a vicious confectionery. It's, a, it's, it's candy with a vendetta. It does not like people. Um, but nonetheless, there you go. When my friends hear that, they're gonna take great pride in the fact that I'm such a stupid American um and and that's it that's about it uh you know house of fun was fantastic love the opportunity to be there thank you to anglo management and the house of fun production team for being so nice and accommodating to me and getting me set up really really well there that was a true treat
2: fantastic well um as i said you got some great interviews so we're going to start playing in just a moment the episode that you recorded last week at Butlin's Mindhead. Before we do, let's uh, give everybody a preview of what's coming in two weeks. So Polly, we're finally going to do the episode that you have uh, pitched. Do you want to talk a little bit about what that episode is going to be?
3: We are going to be doing the sexy time for madness episode. Uh, so I thought it was very, very funny at one point I think when we were uh, talking about the kitchen floor song and uh, I described it as sexy time for madness and I think it may have caused you and I to think a little bit about what are there for sexy madness songs out there and well rather than talk about it too much now you're just going to have to wait for the next episode we'll take it up there
2: Yeah, we'll definitely be focusing on the more adult side uh, of some of their lyrics and perhaps one or two of their videos as well. So that will be a very, very interesting episode. You'll want to tune in for that. That'll be in two weeks. And uh, last but not least, I I want to mention our closing song since uh, Polly, you didn't get to mention it because you didn't know what it was going to be. But our closing song is going to be by the London Gay Men's Chorus. And I think you guys will enjoy it. So, um,
3: Polly, should we listen to your episode? I think so. Okay, here we go. All right. So, Chris, what time is
0: it? Shoo!
3: Hello, and welcome to the Stateside Madness Podcast. My name is Paulie, and we are coming to you live from Madness's House of Fun Weekender here in Minehead. Yeah. So, for me, it's been a great experience here at House of Fun, uh, a learning experience, uh, mostly that um, urinals, or I'll say urinals, I guess. I'll try to remember to speak... Um, how I learned on watching Top Gear. So, yeah, uh, urinals appear to be optional. Um, it's either, you know, the floor, the wall. Um, you know, you pissed, you hit something, you fucking won. All right, so introduce yourself if you would.
4: Good morning. I'm Mr. Skiff from Coast Radio up north where the talk funny, so I'm trying to be posh by a podcast. So I shall. Uh, I'll turn the elocution button on and speak in the uh, Queen's sort of colloquial sort of language, yeah. I think.
3: And so, uh, explain a little bit then. How did you become part of the Madness fan community?
4: If you want me to go back to my childhood and sit here all day and talk about how, how all this nonsense happened, but uh, I'll, not, I'll not. I'll not ruin it for you. The chap of my left shoulder, Mr. John Youngs, potentially responsible for the reason I lost the plot many years ago. Um, due to a trip to Blackpool with, with the Madness fans and finding myself on a hotel roof of a set of ladders being chased by traffic police. But that's a different story. Um, yeah, my Madness days goes back to uh, Mummy when she did uh, some exercise called Bums and Tums to Uncle Sam. So the Bums and Tums class, they had to do it to Uncle Sam and it was to keep the extra pounds off, you see. Well, you might not have heard of Bums and Tums in America. Did, you, did we know it was going to go down this route with me? <laughs> didn't turn up i was probably about i don't know six months old or something no it would have been older. otherwise i wouldn't remember that would i god the alcohol is really kicking in sorry about this <laughs> okay. but we're doing the swimming pool this afternoon the mis pool party so that's going to be quite interesting um unfortunately it would clash with the sound sets at two o'clock but once you've been to see the sound sets, whip yourself away down the pool get your skimpies on jump in and remember to take the beach balls away with you a gift you've got to empty that pool of anything that's plastic other than the slides don't take the slides or anything like that they're precious with everything so just do whatever you please it's the last one
3: all right and please do introduce yourself hi my name's paul rogers
5: um i'm 53 Been a madness fan since 1979 when i was 11 uh got the one step beyond album for christmas 1979 so i definitely know where i was when i got that and uh what I did for the rest of that Christmas, which was largely um, learn a lot of slang from Lee's lyrics.
3: Uh, <laughs> I've
5: just been reminded by Darren Bennett, who's Madness's kind of support DJ, that uh, this year's gig at Brighton will be for both of us the 40th anniversary of our first ever Madness gig at the same venue at the Brighton Centre. So. Uh, since you reminded me of that yesterday, I'm feeling quite a bit older. <laughs>
3: as as one would. Um, so, in that forty years, uh, you know, what has being a Madness fan come to mean to you?
5: Well, it's meant a load of great music. It's meant battling endlessly with people that don't necessarily like Madness and have got no idea about the depth of their songwriting, particularly the lyric writing, um, because of the kind of early hits all being put on top of a really bouncy, happy tune. And the fact that they were so good at hiding ultra serious topics on their songs that would have got quite a lot of other bands banned from appearing on top of the Pops. Uh, We all know Madness got banned, but that was for their behaviour, rather than the lyrical content, which seemed to go completely over the head of the producers of that show. Um, I mean, I can't think of another band that's had a collection of singles about such an eclectic um, set of topics, quite serious topics, just without people noticing if all they do is kind of pay attention to the chorus. Um, it's meant me meeting a lot of really, really decent people through the years. Um, For about 10 years from the mid-90s, I used to sell Madness stuff by mail order. So this will have been how I met Mark. Uh, It will have been how I met Chris Carter-Pegg. It will have been how I originally met John Young and countless other people that, going on 30 years later i'm still in contact with and and seeing a gigs regularly and looking forward to seeing so yeah i mean it's the actual music side of things brilliant but it's meeting so many lasting friends even if they're friends that you only see once a year at house of fun doesn't matter because we're scattered all over the world
3: and uh speaking of house of fun um you know what would your uh, you know your general sort of feeling, general explanation of what uh, separates House of Fun from um, uh, any individual gig on like a tour, or you know what what's the what's the meaningful part of House of Fun?
5: Quite simply, for me, it's the Friday night, with the exception of the one I'm going to say last year, but the 2019 one where they did a special set on both nights. It's just been this amazing opportunity to hear them attack their back catalogue, to play B-sides that we never thought we'd hear, um, to play full albums, to play brand new tracks. uh, In a couple of the cases, basically previewing up to 10 new tracks that had never been heard anywhere before just the sheer variety of stuff to be honest with you if madness continued doing house of fun which i hope they do at some stage in the future if they carried on doing the same i'd be quite happy to go a house of fun once a year and unless they were doing something else really special i i don't need to hear the greatest hits again and again and again it's the trawl through their back catalogue that and as I say, meeting up with friends old and new, there's there's loads of people that I've met there for the first time and stayed in touch with. Um, it's usually good to see the band socialising around the site over the weekend. That didn't happen this year because of COVID, which is sensible as so they've got to go out on tour. And of course, they're older than us, so um, they're more at risk of it. So. Yeah, that would be it. it. It's the special nature of the Friday night and the situation where we're basically more or less all plunged in together and we all end up with a Madness member in one of our chalets at some stage over the, over the time. It's kind of inevitable.
3: Uh, so uh, I've been asking many people, and I think I've already got a little bit of preview from you uh, about what your answer is going to be, but uh, mm. you have a, a favorite Madness moment. Yeah.
5: Um, they announced a couple of weeks before House of Fun that they were going to be doing, I think they called it the Hoff, Oscars or something similar. It was House of Fun Oscars, um, a set of awards. Um, and one of the categories was for the most profligate thief of House of Fun branding. And having started stealing stuff from House of Fun, at the very first one, which I think was in 2011, and continuing down the years, I thought I might be in with the chance of it, not least because I was able to enter the competition by sending them pictures of my car, ready to go on Thursday morning, to head down to Minehead, bringing back a load of stuff that I'd already pinched, so that I wouldn't need to bother once I got down there. and i had no idea at all in fact i'd actually been put off the scent by being told that i wasn't likely to win it Uh, i got a phone call on saturday evening and ended up being called to go on stage asked to dress up a little bit in some of the stuff i'd stolen and i am the most profligate stealer of house of fun branding and to be on the stage It's not something I've ever wanted to do. Believe it or not, I'm painfully shy and hate being on stages. Even just walking across one was something that I've dreaded all my life. And yet I found myself on Saturday evening being asked to go on stage and meet two guys from the film This Is England and accept this award. um, Which loads of people then tried to steal from me across the whole weekend but it's mine and I've still got it. (laughs) And that is an amazing memory for me. Um, There are many, many others, but that at the moment really has to top them all. You know, it's probably better than having met the whole band by the time I was 23, when sort of seven years before I'd mentioned in a pen picture for a football magazine that, my ambition in life at that time was to meet all seven members of Madness. Little was I know I would would meet them, but to get on their stage before a gig and get an award for being um, a completely dishonest fan—that's something of a highlight after forty years plus.
3: As it should be. Well, congratulations for that. Thanks and so again, much. again, folks, this was Paul Rogers speaking.
5: Can I, just add, can I just add, I don't care what anyone else thinks, Driving In My Car is one of the great Britpop songs. It belongs in that tradition. People love baggy trousers. They love House of Fun. They love our house. They love my girl. Driving My Car belongs in that set every single little bit as much for the first car you ever own. But to hear them do Riding On My Bike on Friday night made the whole weekend for me. The award wouldn't have mattered if I hadn't got that. Just to hear a obscure B-side of a 12 inch was stunning. And that's, you know, that is the epitome of the Friday night for me. And now I'll shut up.
3: Well, there you go, Mark. Uh, Paul set the bar. Are you ready to go?
6: I'm ready to go, yes.
3: Please do introduce yourself, sir.
6: Okay, hi. My name is Mark Charlesworth, um, known as uh, Chigs, which is a nickname that I picked up when, at the age of seven. Uh, I'm 56 and I started following Madness in 79 as well, at the age of 14. I first heard them on the John Peel show. They were doing a session which can be found um, on a 12-inch and uh, followed them ever since. Um, I'm up to only 89 gigs at the moment. So hopefully in Birmingham for my 90th. Uh, big collector, I, uh, obviously first, my first gig was 85 because my parents were a little bit strict and uh, it wasn't like I could just hop on a bus then and go and see them. And plus um, back in 79, 80, there were one or two gigs where a little bit of trouble did start. Um, so my parents were always holding me back, but obviously 85, Birmingham was the first one. And then, uh, and then in the mid nineties, um, there's a magazine called Record Collector And I noticed in there that there was an advert for a madness fanzine, um, which was called Nut Inc. Um, A guy called Stuart Wright, who is now a very good friend of mine. Um, I wrote to him to ask for a copy of the fanzine and then I started to send him stuff for the fanzine, help along with that. And that got me introduced with um, people along the way. Again, that's how I noticed Paul and his PLR Mad Mail site. And, uh, yeah, it's just been a continuation ever since. And, uh, long may it continue.
3: Here, here, Yeah, I wouldn't disagree with that at all. Uh, so, uh, what's the most meaningful part to you about being part of the, the Madness fan community?
6: Well, again, just to reiterate on what Paul said, you know, the amount of friends that I've made through Madness, um, yeah, I, the names through Nut Inc that I used to meet. Obviously, there was no internet then, so it was just a case of uh, remembering the names. I've got a good memory for names. And then when the internet started, um, there was something called the Smash Forum, which uh, Chas Smash started himself. He used to pop in on a Friday night for um, group chats. That was fun. And then uh, I think the first Mad Meet was was that two thousand and three. For, um, for one of the gigs, I didn't go to that one, but I went to the one in 2004, which is the Dublin Castle, uh, that was a good gig, 150 people, shoulder to shoulder, shoulder to shoulder with Madness as well, that was special.
3: As I can imagine it would be. Um... So yeah,
6: from day to this, you know, we've, we've stayed friends basically, so almost 20 years, of being, you know, pick up the phone, are you going to the gig next week? Yeah, meet your stage left. Sorted, don't need to say anymore.
3: Uh, what would you be your big takeaway from this past House of Fun?
6: Yeah, um, obviously the, the Friday night sets have always been special. Um, the last two that they were more greatest hits. Um, this one that they threw in, Land of Hope and Glory, but, uh, yeah the the friday night sets have always been the main thing for me to hear as paul said the the obscure tracks to hear them play uh, hawaii 50 which was the uh, the introduction track before they became madness so uh, so yeah that was that was a big plus uh
3: yeah that it was and i i think a, a part that was really nice about the Friday night set is it's an opportunity as well to um for them to go back and do exactly. some of the stuff that they were inspired by and exactly. doing yeah doing doing the two Motown songs is real meaningful to me yeah. um yeah fantastic yeah.
6: um I mean it's good so, as well in in the past when when has hopped on stage um for example he sang um uh, what was it called with with the clang brothers um with the clan group had a nice night which is a song that um i think clive langer did with clive langer in the boxes originally so for him to hop on stage and do that that's great
3: that yeah the, the, the little random bits are are really pretty special
6: <laughs> exactly i mean i've heard you know all the hits thousands and thousands of times so you can uh, that's just another gig for me it has to be, Kenwood was a special gig when they had the full orchestra two years ago. That was good. But, uh... Hmm?
3: So, uh, f- favourite madness moment after all of the years of your being a fan? God.
5: Don't say
6: seeing me on stage. no, 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 no. I mean, things, <laughs> moments that stick out, I would say when I was 17, when they were number one with the House of Fun. They were number one with Complete Madness in the album charts, and they were number one with Complete Madness in the video charts as well. That's that was nice. Um, obviously, meeting the band is always special. Uh, my son managed to get on stage in Nottingham uh, for a gig, and they dressed him up in Robin Hood uh, gear. So that was that was nice. But no, continue continue supporting the band. Um, I hope you can get to the gigs next year finally.
7: My name's Warren Moyle, um, otherwise known as Wazza, and I am the creator of a group called All Things Madness on Facebook.
3: And in fact, you should check that out. Um, and also then you've got a Facebook group, which would be just the Madness Facebook group.
7: Yeah, it's, it's, if you look up Madness, you'll find All Things Madness. Um, and I also started the original page that the band took over in 2008 before Liberty was released.
3: There you go. Uh, yeah, it's very lively, uh, uh, fan-centric Facebook group and Facebook page. Um, I would definitely uh, encourage people to go look for that. Um, I'm on there all the time, it's fantastic. A um, uh, Lot of fan input, so.
7: Yeah, we've got some great admin guys as well, so uh, there's uh, seven or eight of us on there. Um, people creating stuff. There's a guy called Alan Flynn that does a lot of graphics. He's a uh, very clever man, a uh, very funny man as well, if you should ever meet him. Um, Darren Jones who and Claire, who um, they have their own tribute band as well as uh, helping me with the admin and stuff. So, uh, yeah, and say about 35,000, 40,000 people on there. So, from all over the world
3: let's go back to how you first came to be um either involved with madness or maybe even just the fan
7: my first signs of uh <laughs> of madness were there uh, uh there was a, a pair of guys i live on a very big housing estate uh on the south coast of england and there was two guys there um the taylor brothers and uh they're not involved these days they live in australia but um they may get involved over there, I don't know, but um, they used to dress up and they used to look exactly like Madden. They used to go to the local working man's club uh, where we all went and um, and basically copy routines for Madness and it was just fabulous. Just brilliant, they just got us into it. And then a teacher gave me a tape of uh, Absolutely when I was at school and that kind of cemented my, uh, my love for the band. Um, I didn't get to see them until 92 in uh at uh madstock first madstock um when i eventually managed to go and see him live and what a what an introduction so that they just got back together after a break and it was uh yeah it was an incredible performance and yes you could feel the ground shaking
6: Preparing. You got to help us with your feet If you're not in the mood to dance Step back, let yourself a seat This may not be uptown Jamaica, up, But we promise you a treat Don't pass and on me over with your funky style Shuffle me off my feet Even if I kept on running I'd never get you on the street
7: Facebook kind of got to the UK, I'm, I'm sure it was in the US a bit longer, but um, it, it got to us about 2007, 2008 really, and that's when I first went on there, and I had a look around and there was nothing to do with Madness on there at all, so um, so I created this group and got lots of help, and then of course um, was contacted by various long-term uh, Madness fans um, people like Sharon State and Lynn Lawler and all those guys that you've already spoken to as well, and um, and they they have input into it and they help me out as well because they know stuff that I would never know. Um, and John, of course, John Young, and all those people, um, uh, and you just become friends with them and you actually you become family with them. It's um, and there's just more and more of them. Every time you go to a gig, you meet more people, and the family just gets bigger and bigger. (laughs) It's just uh, amazing. We
3: are here at the Butler's Resort for the last day of events at House of Fun, and we're taking a minute to catch up with some friends and some fans, so please do introduce yourself.
1: Uh, I'm Maureen Brown, or Mo, longtime fan from the States.
3: Hear that part from the States. I found the other one. (laughs) Tell folks a little bit about what your experience has been like here at House of Fun. What's the best parts about it?
1: Well, it's been absolutely incredible, especially since it's the first live performance I have ever been to as a uh, four-decade fan. So I did Friday night and Saturday night with their different sets. And they were absolutely incredible, and I'm looking forward to seeing Silencers this afternoon. Mm
3: -hmm. Um, What was your take on the Friday night set?
1: Well, the Friday night set was definitely a little bit more relaxed, but what I liked is that they also did stuff that wasn't part of their usual lineup. They were a little bit of a throwback to some of their early gigs, like when they did shop around and wooly bully and when they were doing the remakes before they had, I guess, more original material. So that was as somebody who has read stuff about the history of the band, it was really very nice to kind of see that nostalgic, you know, part come out.
3: Yeah. So they uh, took an opportunity to do a little bit more of the singles that weren't necessarily their, their biggest Mm -hmm. hits but a real fan favorites and crowd pleasers. And I couldn't help but notice they led off with Uncle Uncle Sam, Sam,
1: which was a great welcoming. I felt felt in a way. I'm
3: assuming they did it for you and I, (laughs) (laughs) I wouldn't be half surprised if they're, they're dusting that off uh, in preparation for the American tour. Oh, That's right. I I really think so. Um, So we'll look for that. We'll uh, we'll get, we'll check back in in May to see if I was right about that. Um, (laughs) so what's your experience been like being a fan for so long with madness
1: well it's been interesting because living i live in the southeastern united states so and like i've mentioned to some other folks it seems like it's con most of the fandom seems to be concentrated in the northeast and california las vegas so getting access to materials and such up until everything with the internet was a little bit difficult so
3: yeah pre-internet days You didn't hear whether a band was going to be coming Mm -hmm. around. You know, you'd have to check with venues. You'd have to look in magazines. You'd have to look in papers. Um, Or even
1: MTV. Yeah. When they did the tour in 83, that's how I, the only way I knew.
3: Yeah. And mailing lists. Yeah. (laughs) I mean, does that even exist anymore?
1: to get records, you couldn't even necessarily just go to the store. You had to special order. And wait like approximately six, two to six weeks to get certain, if they have them available.
3: Who so. who waits two to six weeks for anything in the <laughs> mail these days? Yeah. Yeah, it's it's uh, definitely a shared experience, I think, with a lot of American fans. The um, really trying to get that access to the band and the materials and the music. But it all worked out in the end. We yes, it We did. found it all.
1: Finally, after all these <laughs> years.
3: <laughs> and you had just mentioned, too, uh, before we started taping, so you're going to be making one of the American shows.
1: Yes, I'm doing Boston.
3: Boston. at uh, So that'll be at House of Blues. Pretty decent venue. It ought to be a really, really good show. Okay. And for other folks, uh, if you um, are going to be making any of the American shows do keep posted stateside madness we're going to be doing fan get-togethers at every show pre-show oh good we'll try to do it with the same panache and intensity as happened here at house of fun but with nobody getting arrested (laughs) (laughs) so what would you say is uh your favorite either madness song madness era maybe an album
1: well, I have to say, "One Step Beyond" and "Liberty of Norton Folgate" are my two favorites, as far as albums. Yeah. Uh, as far as an individual track, "Fireball XL5," uh, as we.
3: <laughs> yeah. And yeah. I'm
1: also a fan of "Liberty of Norton Folgate" as a track as well. So.
3: Yeah. No, I couldn't agree more. Um, I think the the track "Liberty of Norton Folgate," you know, was probably. I think their most daring attempt at uh, uh, a style or multiple styles outside of their genre. Yeah. And... Um, I
1: think of it as an opus, yeah, too. Yeah, yeah.
3: I, I just feel like um, they had a lot at risk mm-hmm. Um, if that song didn't come out as well as it did. It could have been a hugely embarrassing. But like Folgate, it was a, the, the rest of the album. Big mm-hmm. risk, big yeah. reward. Um, It's, it's probably my... I don't know, I'd say my second favorite album. Okay. Yeah. That's it's definitely definitely very, very good. And Fireball. I mean Yeah. Yeah, that's that's one of my all time favorites. No, I just
1: love the chaotic sound of it, the frenetic energy. It just really gets you moving. And
3: absolutely. You know, I wish they'd do more of that. <laughs> that's that's uh do um, I have to
1: think is that a, a Lee influenced piece? I'd have to, cause it sounds very much like it, so Yeah, it yeah, it's totally
3: know. deranged.
1: Yeah, well
6: <laughs> 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 I see the little bit of money from Christmas come when my birthday nearly
7: due. I'll trust another guy in a shopping arcade if you we were penny for a morning blue. I see the advertised on TV show shelf up on even a news. My local MP said I should go and
6: bear it but I'd rather gonna blow her views.
7: on estate i used to love i eat 30 rockets at a shilling nature you should have seen the front doors go right on right 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 let it talk,
3: anything else you'd like to add for the fans
1: i would just say i'm looking forward to seeing everybody there hanging out and seeing them live even traveling across the Atlantic and going through the COVID tests and everything was totally worth it. It was worth the four decades of waiting.
3: Mm. <laughs> <laughs> All right. And I am sitting down now with Jonathan Young. John from MIS and John also instrumental in the setup of stateside Madness. So here he is. Let's take a moment with Jonathan Young.
0: Um, it's been a magical playground. For a decade, and we sit here on the final day, and um, all there really is to say is um, you've got some listeners who are people who've attended uh, the House of Fun or in the UK, and um, it's just a huge thank you to all of those people for anything they ever contributed. It was here for everyone to enjoy, and you're over here, Polly, so you've witnessed now for the first time what Madness fans are like when they come together.
3: Uh, that is the truth. The camaraderie is unbelievable in the warmth and the um, inclusiveness, and people really did uh, take me in and treated me quite well, so I'm definitely appreciative of that.
0: And they've been doing that for each other for 10 years down here, uh, more so than just general concerts, because you're here for three uh, three days in the same place uh, with a lot of entertainment. And um, some true and deep friendships have been um, have been made here. And, uh, for me personally, this has been my engagement weekend and, um, it doesn't come much deeper than that, but, uh, myself and are our, our love of these bands, um, not just madness, but the, uh, solo efforts that the band put on down here, we just witnessed a very emotional silences concert, and uh, that was full of love in the room. And, um, yeah, we are all going to miss that, anyone listening that is interested in, um, hearing about what it was like on the last day of the House of Fun. But uh, the remit of you is supposed to be mainly that you're here for the stateside fans. So for all you in America listening in, um, take this spirit we've got here in the UK at the House of Fun and make your tour um, not just a concert but a place where fans come together.
3: And that is definitely the goal at Stateside Madness. We're uh, very intent on trying to emulate a bit of what happens here at the House of Fun. We're definitely going to be uh, making arrangements that have fan get-togethers before shows, and we're really going to be reaching out in the weeks and months ahead of time to really get people connecting.
0: If there have been uh, fans in the States that have waited a long time to see Madness, I mean, they are not a young band. Uh, I hope, you know, if you ha- if you listen to this and haven't got a ticket, go get a ticket. Um, uh, make your experience, if you have got a ticket, uh, one to remember, but look out for people around you and make their experience um, a great concert, Seeing Madness in the USA, because um, I really hope this tour goes ahead. It's been delayed. And um, you never know if it's going to be the last. It doesn't have to be. I've still got quite a few years left in them yet. And, um, yeah, you witnessed House of... Uh, the, the Sorry, Uncle, Uncle Sam being played as the first song on the set list. And um, I think that's a good omen.
3: They're, they're dusting it off. I wouldn't be surprised if it makes a prominent appearance in the set list when they do tour the United States.
0: The main thing is they'll be flying across the sea, though, won't they? <laughs> it takes too long <laughs> by boat. <laughs>
6: studies to examine tomorrow <laughs> and tomorrow I'll
0: be watching all the queens um, you're going you're gonna to get uh, predominantly the greatest hits I mean you've had a, a hits album come out again recently to remind people what those songs are and um, it is uh, tried, tested and crowd pleasing and um Maybe there'll be a flavour. I mean, you certainly will look look to the Lady Killers tour to see what they put out there. Um, But it'll be a show very like that. And um, that is their biggest songs. Some some of the early albums and um, songs that went right through the 80s and beyond. Um, And, you know, the most recent albums, songs like Mr. Apples that that they play have never been played in the States. So they'll be debuting them uh, to the audiences that have seen them many times. Tools.
3: And uh, speak a little bit, if you would, about what the sort of the reality is of being an admin in a Madness-related fan group. We,
0: we we were very early to the internet, and the band was very kind to to work alongside us since day one, uh, in a distant but um, helpful capacity. And it was asked that there be an American version of everything we've ever done, and, and you guys now are it. And I'm really impressed with how far you've come, especially things like this podcast, and hello to Laurie and everyone else in the team.
3: Very good. And again, thank you, and that is all for us from House of Fun.
0: Enjoy it. Bye.
3: And that is it for the Stateside Bandits podcast from the House of Fun. My name is Polly. Thanks to Laurie back in Chicago. And that is it for me. Thanks, Stateside Madness. And go get a beer, Stateside Madness.